Welcome to Blind Date with Knowledge. This is a weekly half-hour talk show featuring Queen's University researchers and scholars. The show seeks to unravel the dynamic world of research at the university by discussing the significance to and benefits of research on everyday lives. I'm Barry Kaplan, the show's host. Blind Date with Knowledge is broadcast on CFRC Radio, 109.9 FM, Campus and Community, Queen's Radio in Kingston, located in Carruthers Hall. All the episodes of Blind Date with Knowledge are available on the CFRC website or the Queen's University Research website at queensu.ca slash research. Today, my guest is Patricia Smithen. Let me read a little bit of uh, Patricia's bio. Patricia Smithen started as the Assistant Professor, Paintings Conservation at Queen's University in July 2017. The Master of Art Conservation program is the only degree-granting program for art conservation in Canada and includes four broad specialisms, paper and new media, objects, conservation science, and paintings. Patricia graduated from Queen's University, Kingston, 1993, with a Master's in Art Conservation specializing in paintings and painted surfaces, following an honors BA in art history and critical theory from the University of Western Ontario. After working as a paintings conservator at the Canadian Conservation Institute in private practice in Montreal and at the Detroit Institute of Arts, she joined the Tate Conservation Department as conservator of modern and contemporary paintings in 1999 and assisted in the preparation of works for display at Tate's Modern Opening in 2000. She left her role in 2015 to take up doctoral research into the development and impact of artists' acrylic paints in the UK through the Collaborative Doctoral Awards Program and the Coutard, did I say that right? Courtauld. Courtauld Institute of Arts and Tate Gallery. She plans to submit her thesis for consideration in 2019. Hi, Patricia. Hello. Thank you for having me. What an unbelievable uh, background you've got. Thank you. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So uh, thank you for being on the show today. Um, Let's just jump right in because I... I'm sort of fascinated, but I'm not sure I really with con- the idea of conservation of uh, in art. But I'm not really sure I understand what the science aspect is. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, conservation science is really wide ranging, and it really exists to support the practice of conservation. So, if you take an example of a painting, um, uh, you might have a chemist who analyzes what's in the paint. Uh, you might have a physicist who studies how the painting vibrates when it's um, um, when, it, when it moves uh, for loan, and they might help devise strategies for reducing that vibration so it's nice and safe to travel. You have other scientists who study the impact of light on objects. So not only if you have a painting in a gallery, it, you not only want to know how much it's going to change or fade with the amount of light on it, you also want to make sure there's enough light so that people can actually see the object well and have a good art-going experience. Right. Um, so... Conservation is a really small profession, and what it does very well is picking bits and pieces of science from lots of other areas of specialism and adapting it for its own use. Right. Let me come back to something you said about uh, vibration. I didn't quite follow that. Do you mean like the vibration that you might see under fluorescent light? No, um, physical vibration. So if you... 
imagine a painting as a, a stretched piece of fabric on a on a fr- fixed frame, and then you stick that in a truck, and the truck rolls along the highway across bumps. The um, the canvas itself is flapping back and forth a little bit and at different frequencies. Huh. And sometimes that's absolutely fine, but if you happen to hit the wrong frequencies, you can cause a lot of vibration. And if you imagine there's... Um, paint on that surface you can cause cracks you can cause damage you can cause the paint to fling off the surface if it's incredibly fragile Um, so a lot of work has gone into how to safely store display move access the painting one of the things that I'm, I'm particularly interested, I mean, the science is one aspect, but I'm, I was kind of, when I was thinking about prepare, my preparation for this show, I was thinking about what can paint tell us about the painter? And, and what does it tell us about sort of the circumstances, the, the life that that, or the time frame that that person lived in? Because the technology of paint must change using, you know, depending on, like, I don't know, is lead still used? Uh, you know, <laughs> I, 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 talk a little bit about that. Sure, absolutely. Lead is still used, but it's a restricted substance because obviously there's a big impact on health. Um, in addition to what the the study of paint and how it's applied can tell us about the conservation and how to protect and treat and preserve the paintings, I think looking into it, the, it's also um, a focus point for telling us telling a lot of great stories. Um, so. I was, as I, as you mentioned, I'm um, doing some research into acrylic paint, and the the whole study of acrylic paint is I find really fascinating. So, um, it, p- acrylic paint was only invented in the 1940s, um, in the 1950s and 1960s, where that's when um, there was initially a solvent-based product, and then there was an acrylic emulsion as we know it, and you can use that to open up a whole whole range of, of stories into the development of the plastics industry and uh, and house paint and how the house paint industry changed because artists were using house paint. Um, and all of a sudden they had access to consistent wide wide ranging products that were very pourable and had certain qualities. So you have somebody like Jackson Pollock who used them and found they worked in a certain way that really changed the way that he painted. Um, and then you have um, the story of the health and safety. You talked about lead. So what impact does health and safety have on what artists are able to do? And one of the whole reasons why we have acrylic emulsion paint is because it's a waterborne product. You don't need a solvent to dissolve or to use it in a factory or in an artist's studio. So it was a really desirable product and they were really working hard to find to, to find and invent this product. So all of a sudden when the product was invented, artists quality paint was able to be made and it really changed what they were able to do because the paint had different qualities. For sure. You know, when I think of Pollock, and I'm no art expert, I think of throwing paint. Yeah. And, you know, what a what a contrast that is to using various brushes or palettes and things like that. So I would think that that just, op- you know, the, 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 the chemistry or the technical innovation of paint just opens up a whole new door for artistic expression and imagination. It really does. Uh, A really good example are um, early paintings from the 50s and 60s by Morris Lewis. He was using an early form of acrylic paint that was solvent-borne called Magna. And um, it was... 
it was very different from oil in that it doesn't set hard. Um, it sets into a film, but you can re-dissolve it in the same solvents that initially carry it. So if you lay down a layer of um, of red paint, you can then drip on some blue paint, and the blue paint will dissolve through the red paint. Wow. So you, so Morris Lewis developed this technique where he layered these veils of color, and they intermingled, and they were incredibly beautiful and very intense and the medium was water clear so the colors came through really brightly you didn't have any of that yellow intonation of the oil paint so you got a different color experience you he was able to use it and apply it in completely new and unique ways and i think the technology of paint really opened up a lot of possibilities for abstract expressionism, for hard-edged color painting, um, for color field painting, and for modern painting in general. Right, right. One of the other thoughts I, I had, and then listening to you talk, it kind of reinforces that, this for me, is the idea of of street art. And, you know, you, you see graffiti everywhere now. Not just, I'm not, I'm not necessarily talking about the tags that you see, but really, you know, uh, imaginative street art. Talk a little bit about the chemistry of, of aerosol cans and, <laughs> and, and what the, what's going on there and, and maybe what you see is the future of the, of the balance between street art and the people who are using uh, physics and chemistry to try to remove street art from walls. Oh, that's a big question, actually. And street art is interesting because some of it has become very legitimate in terms of consider Banksy paintings. They're worth a fortune, although a lot of it is still considered to be vandalism and people want to remove it. Um, and by its very nature, it's it's an it's inherently a fragile medium because you have um, artist paint or you have paints paints that aren't always artist quality, so they may fade in the sunlight. They're in a really harsh environment, and also again by their nature, they're often removed or painted over, um, so they can be very difficult to preserve. Um, in terms of the chemistry of the paints, um, the the paint mediums vary really widely, uh, as much as different kinds of house paints or different mediums of artist paints. And one of the recent innovations are, are actually some of the delivery systems. So you talk, mentioned aerosol, but in addition to aerosol, they have um, uh, squirt bottles now um, of indelible inks, and they've got um, paint, paint pens, paint markers, effectively, that you can that are quite robust and can be used on something like a brick wall. Hmm. Um, so there's a lot of innovation going on in the paint industry. It's... Graffiti, I have a I have a mixed relationship with. Some of it I find personally very beautiful, and I really enjoy it. And I think it's very interesting. It has a lot to say about an urban environment. Um, I really dislike it when um, real artworks, what I call real artworks, legitimate property of artworks, are destroyed in a graffiti incident. Give me an example of that. I'm not sure I'm following you. Um, so there was an incident at Tate Modern a few years ago where a graffiti artist came in and tagged a Mark Rothko painting. Wow. And he used a graffiti ink product that um, with one of these new delivery systems. And actually, it was a really beautiful product. It was a really dense um pigmented black ink. Um, but the nature of Mark Rothko paintings meant that the paint 
soaked up some of that ink. And it took two years of dedicated conservation scientist and conservator and a huge amount of resource and research in order to remove that tag from that painting and to restore the painting. Um, I, I think that's unconscionable. I think it's it's pretty much the worst experience you can you can go through not just for me as a conservator but the people who work in the gallery the whole the whole staff was completely devastated by this and the public as well it was a really beloved painting by the British public um, so there was a real outpouring of support uh, something like that I can feel the emotion rising in me right now I just I found that such a horrible experience um, but I think that that is Deliberate vandalism is very different from something where somebody's trying to create, and especially where you have maybe the permission of the of the building owner to create a beautiful mural on the wall, and it can be so difficult to preserve something like that that is legitimate, that's wanted, that's valued by the community. Very interesting. This was, that was an interesting, an interesting <laughs> story that you just told us about about that uh, painting. But let me let me turn to the last section of our of our show. Uh, uh, Blind Date with Knowledge is broadcast on CFRC Radio, 101.9 FM, Campus and Community Queens Radio in Kingston, located in Carruthers Hall. My guest in, the, in this episode is Patricia Smithen, Assistant Professor, Paintings Conservation at Queens University. One of the goals for Blind Date with Knowledge is to demystify scholarly research and to personalize researchers. As a way of making that goal real for us, I ask every guest on the show to tell us a joke, recite a short poem or inspirational quotation, or reference a song related to the research or the researcher's motivation. So, Patricia, the microphone's yours. Thank you very much. This is a quote from Salvador Dali's book called 50 Secrets of Magic Craftsmanship. And he, it's in a section called, So Now I Must Tell You About the Wasp Medium. The color of, of the oil shining in the sun mingled with the wasp's yellow and black stripes fascinated me, and I did not remove the wasp from my medium. From that moment on, I began to notice a quality which I had never before experienced in the ductility, which was honey-like, and in the homogeneous fusion of my colors. Applying these became a pleasure inexplicable in itself. Wow, that's beautiful. I sort of want to eat his words. It's, it's, it sounds <laughs> <his> delicious. <laughs> Wow. So why did you choose that quote? And what does that mean for you? Um, I came across that quote when I was working on a study of Dali paintings at the Tate in London. And um, I love that quote, because it really then brings it back to the artist in the studio. And you never know what goes on in the studio. And what we deal with as, um, as conservators is the, is the impact of that. But for all of our amazing technology for analyzing paint and for understanding what was available in the historical practice at the time, I would never have thought of wasp. I wouldn't, have, we don't test for wasp. <laughs> we don't uh, know whether that has a particular impact on his medium. We don't know whether that's going to have an impact on the conservation of it. So it just really brings it home that there is, um, there are always mysteries in art, and we will never be able to solve them all. And all we can do is sort of our, our best and looking for these these little trails of, of knowledge that lead us in interesting directions. Wonderful. That's a, it was a terrific quote. And you, you, you really explained that so lucidly and colorfully. Uh, my guest today has been Patricia Smithen. Um, Patricia is Assistant Professor of Paintings Conservation at Queen's University. 
If you have a question about anything related to research that you would like discussed by our guests, or if you have comments about today's conversation with Patricia Smithen, please email me, Barry Kaplan, at bdwk at cfrc.ca. Thank you for tuning in. This show is produced in collaboration with CFRC at Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario, with infrastructure support from Queen's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Find more great podcasts at podcasts.cfrc.ca.